Welcome to the Red Words Podcast, where we pursue a personal relationship with God the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Join us weekly as we deep dive into the dynamic and oftentimes curious Holy Spirit-inspired book of God's Word. And so it begins in Revelation chapter 8. For three and a half years, millions of God's people have been brutalized, hunted, persecuted, and martyred. And God does not contain his wrath any longer. He hurls his vengeance upon the people of earth with natural judgments first, and then allows the demonic plagues. Chapter 8, verse 1 begins with complete and utter silence. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll, there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. From previous episodes, we know that there are many multitudes of people standing before God's throne. Just the sound of that many people breathing would be noisy. And yet, there is deafening silence from every person, every angel, and even from the four seraphim who fly around God's throne, claiming His holiness. Then, verse 2 introduces us to God's seven archangels. I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and they were given seven trumpets. We know from Scripture that the archangel Michael is the commander of God's angel armies, and the archangel Gabriel is God's messenger to his nation Israel. Outside the Tanakh, From the Apocrypha books of Enoch and Tobias, we learn the remaining five archangels are Uriel, Raphael, Raguel, Sorakiel, and Phanuel. Each name ends with El, meaning with or of God, and they stand before him ready to do his bidding. Interestingly, they are given seven trumpets. Scripturally, trumpets are used to sound the alarm for war, and they often threw the enemy into a frantic panic. These seven archangels take their trumpets and wait for God to signal the battle alarm that begins the Great Tribulation. But before that occurs, an eighth angel is introduced in verse 3. Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar. And a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. Exodus 30.25 and other passages tell us about some of the herbs used to make incense. Myrrh, cinnamon, calamus, cassia, frankincense, salt, and galbanum. While some of these spices may not be familiar today, the mixing of myrrh, cinnamon, and frankincense is really quite pleasing. But it is the scent of his believers' prayers offered up to God that are sweetest to him, particularly during times of salvation and persecution. We read one such prayer in 2 Corinthians 2.15. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. But there is another more commonly said prayer that is prayed by believers and non-believers alike during times of duress. This one from Matthew chapter 6 is the epitome of the prayers God seeks. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. 
This prayer was given to all of earth by the Lord Jesus Christ to be used in times of plenty and times of wanting, but especially in times of trouble. This prayer is a sweet, sweet scent that God loves above all other prayers because it came from his Son, and he fully intends to honor it, as he is about to do in Revelation chapter 8, because no longer will God abide the horrors perpetrated against his beloved believers. Throughout time, God's goal has been to bring about his kingdom on earth, just as his kingdom reigns in heaven. Understand that when he created this planet, it was beyond beautiful. It was absolute perfection, and God placed mankind, his highest beloved creation, within it, fully intending that they would live with him in perfection forever. But the fall of Adam and Eve halted that intent, and we are about to see God reverse the pattern of sinful man in the following events. God does this because of the prayers of his believers. For the one thing they desire most is to be with him forever, and God desires the same. Here is Revelation chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. The smoke of the incense, mixed with the prayers of God's holy people, ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar and threw it down upon the earth, and thunder crashed, lightning flashed, and there was a terrible earthquake. And so the sweet herbs are burned and God's people's prayers ascend into his nostrils. And just then, the eighth angel scoops the burning coals from the altar back into the incense burner and hurls them to earth. The result is tremendous thunder, lightning, and a terrible earthquake. Scripture tells us about God's thunder in Job chapter 26, verse 14. But his mighty thunder, who can understand? Maybe a listener to this podcast has experienced thunder and lightning so violent their after effects can be felt indoors. Those who have know that buildings shake, windows rattle, and often the electricity goes out. God's wrathful power is not a pleasant affair. Yet, Not one of us has ever experienced a worldwide earthquake, much less one that crumbles Earth's bedrock with such force that bridges and buildings topple like matchsticks and long stretches of highways and entire neighborhoods are swallowed up into the bowels of the Earth. But we do know about the last time the entire Earth was rocked by an earthquake. It was 2,000 years ago, on the day the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. Matthew chapter 27, verses 51 through 54 tells us all about it. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many. Now the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. And this passage in chapter 8 does not tell the reader how many people die from the thunder, lightning, and earthquake, but one can assume that it is a vast number. 
Every person with the seal of the living God is not harmed, but those who died and never decided to choose the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior will never be able to do so. It is too late for them. They can never be redeemed. Surely a goodly number of earth dwellers also die, and they too face the same fate. For once a person's earthly life is over, there is no returning. There are no other opportunities, and the Bible is clear that those who do not choose Jesus as their Lord are doomed to hell forever. And with another worldwide earthquake, God begins his trumpet judgments. Here is Revelation chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. Then the angels, with the seven trumpets, prepared to blow their mighty blasts. The first angel blew his trumpet, and hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown down on earth. One-third of the earth was set on fire. One-third of the trees were burned, and all the green grass was burned. The first trumpet judgment is hurled to earth in the form of a horrible mixture of hail, fire, and blood. Extreme cold, extreme heat, and blood. How bizarre. After three and a half years of drought, this mixture sets one-third of earth on fire. And if anyone had a small patch of green grass they were watering, well, they wouldn't need to waste water on it anymore. This isn't the first time that God, in his wrath, destroys something with a fiery mixture from heaven. We learn in Genesis 19:24 that God rained fire and brimstone down on Sodom and Gomorrah with such utter destruction that the entire valley where these two cities once stood are still uninhabitable to this day. But what about fire and hail mixed together? We read about this mixture in Exodus chapter 9, where God commands Moses to gather all his people and bring them inside, and remove all of his animals from the fields and bring them in close to home. Then God tells Moses to stretch out his hand toward the sky, and God sends thunder, hail, and fire down upon Egypt. The hail, fire, and flashing lightning rained down continuously, and it was so severe that man, beast, plants, and trees were shattered. Only Moses, his people, and his animals survived. So, in the past, what was the cause of God's wrath? He was avenging his people from sins committed against them. Okay, but what about the blood? The second trumpet judgment also deals with blood. Here are verses 8 and 9. Then the second angel blew his trumpet, and a great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea. One-third of the water in the sea became blood. One-third of all things living in the sea died, and one-third of all the ships on the sea were destroyed. Is this actual blood, or is it some type of poison? Biblical commentators and theologians are split regarding their opinions, but perhaps this event is similar to the red tides that plague the shores of Florida every few years, killing hundreds of thousands of sea creatures. We read in the news about how red tide causes all types of horrible ailments, and the stench and putridity from dead sea life forces many coastal Floridians to vacate their homes until well after the red tide has subsided. But then there's Exodus chapter 7, where water is turned into actual blood, and not just in the oceans, rivers, ponds, and reservoirs, 
but also in wood, clay, and stone pots. God turned every drop of water into blood. Thus, no one had drinking water, and they could not cook or bathe. Now, what is this great mountain of fire that was thrown into the sea? Recall Revelation chapter 6, when the sixth seal to the deed of earth was opened, and there was a great earthquake, and the stars of the sky fell to earth like green figs, falling from a tree that is shaken by a strong wind. This great mountain of fire refers back to those stars. More likely, this is an asteroid, and it kills and destroys one-third of the oceans. But this happens to freshwater, too, as we see in verses 10 and 11. And this time, it is called a star. Then the third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on one-third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. The name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. Star gets more interesting when we learn the Greek translation which is absinthos and means harmful and undrinkable. Absinthos is used throughout the Old Testament to indicate calamity, bitterness, and sorrow. And in Jeremiah 9:15, we learn that wormwood poisoned water was given people to drink. Quite fascinating, too, is the Russian translation for wormwood is Chernobyl. Additionally, wormwood is an herbal remedy used to clear heavy parasite infestation and must be ingested with extreme care so as not to kill the host. But quite possibly, there's something else going on here. Fifty-four times in the Bible, Satan is referred to as a star falling from heaven. Isaiah 14.12 says, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of dawn! You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations." And Luke 10, 18 states, And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Just keep these two verses in mind as we continue. Now, here is Revelation chapter 8, verse 12. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and one-third of the sun, and one-third of the moon, and one-third of the stars were struck, so that one-third of them would be darkened, and the day would not shine for one-third of it, and the night in the same way. Could this be the cataclysmic result of meteorites, asteroids, and comets disintegrating inside Earth's atmosphere? Could this be from thousands of volcanic eruptions caused by the earthquake? We don't know, but the lack of natural light is disastrous, as Luke chapter 21, verses 25 and 26 tells us. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The seas and the waters roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the power of heaven shall be shaken. In the Greek, three of the descriptive words in the above scripture are oranos, dunamis, and soleo, meaning to be set off balance using uranium and dynamite. Basically, something as devastating as a nuclear weapon. Then Revelation chapter 8 ends with a dire warning as we read in verse 13. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven, saying with a loud voice, 
Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Mid-heaven is where eagles fly, and this eagle cries out three times, Woe, which means great sorrow and distress will be directed at earth dwellers. In conclusion, the first four trumpet judgments are aimed at four natural elements, land, sea, water, and light coming from the sun, moon, and stars. In Revelation chapter 9, the next three angels sound their trumpets, and they generate demonic disasters upon earth. And so, dear friends, take heed of the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God today as you seek a deeper personal relationship with Him. Thank you for joining me, and know that the Lord Jesus Christ loves you very much, and so do we. Until next week, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and amen.